This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm ready. Rolling. Oak Shea Podcast numero tres with my good buddy Jed Conklin. Jed, what's up, man? What's going on, buddy? Cold beer. Cold beer. At the Cold noses. At the Staten elk hunting cabin that's right we're doing a little bow hike tonight we both got uh some elk tags we do that are sitting there got a couple filled and a couple to go yeah hey you can answer that let's hear you're here on this uh show because you're jed conklin and people <laughs> need to know about you all right World class photographer about that thank you elk fanatic really a hunting fanatic yep world traveler married man father Father, new father, new father. Yeah. Uh, you got a good story, so I think people need to hear it. And you have lots of elk knowledge to drop. So let's get into it. Tell us, uh, you know, a little bit about yourself. Just non-hunting, just the real, like the Jed Conklin, that the everyday, what you do. Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. I'm, thanks for bringing it out here. Bring me out here. This is really cool. It's a sweet spot. Uh, so I, you know, I'm a photographer primarily. And recently kind of got into developing old buildings, buying some old stuff around Spokane. Uh, it's kind of how I make my living between photography and, and developing old, old, old stuff, making it cool, hopefully. So moved to Spokane uh, from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I'm originally from Kentucky. Lived in Jackson Hole for, I don't know, between Jackson and Pinedale for about a year, uh, chasing photography in mountains and, and, uh, and adventure. And it ended up landing me in Spokane, Washington. I was a staff photographer at the Spokesman Review for about five, four years. And then I went out on my own in 2007, started freelance photography. It's taken me all over the world, as you said. Um, it's been an awesome adventure, and it continues. I've, you know, documented. I was in Iraq uh, for a little while, embedded. I went to Afghanistan with a good friend of mine, Combat Flip Griff, uh, Matthew Griffin with Combat Flip Flops, which is a great experience. I've done some other cool stuff, China, all over the place, shooting pictures for all kinds of, you know, different magazines, publications. More recently, I moved into uh, a lot of commercial work. Uh, shoot for First Light a whole lot. Uh, good friends with First Light. We do a lot of hunting together. Great team, great guys. Spend a lot of time with those people and thoroughly enjoy it. Um, a lot of my photography is outdoor-driven, uh, adventure, sport. Uh, climbing, skiing, work for Lululemon most recently, uh, a couple weeks ago. So, you know, I uh, do a lot of adventure photography, which is, which is awesome. And, you know, I, I got into, into hunting at a very early age when I grew up in Kentucky, chasing whitetails and turkeys, and, you know, have, have moved over into elk in the last uh, 12 years ago, 2005, my first elk season. And... You know, try to be a sponge, you know, and learn as much as I can and spend a lot of time chasing, uh, chasing critters around. It's, uh, it's my passion. Okay, so you're married. How I'm long married. have you been married? I've been married. I'll be married uh, two years in March. Is this thing recording? It is. 
Dude, we're styling. So two years in March, and you have a brand new baby, or brand new baby, seven and a half months. She, her name is Maeve. Maeve. And she's awesome. Seven and, and a half uh, months. Seven not and quite half walking. Months. Not quite walking, but she sure is getting to a lot of stuff. She's saying <laughs> words like no, goo goo gaga still, or a lot of goo goo gaga. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, really loves ever... the milk. So you think you're gonna have more kids after? I think this we one? are gonna have more kids. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think we are. I think we're having at least one more. Do you think you're? Do you think you could make boys? Well, we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. Yeah, I we, didn't think I could make boys. Yeah, I really didn't. As much as I hunt, yeah, get outside. I'm like, there's no way I could have a son. But <laughs> got one on the yeah. second try. That's good. Yeah, congratulations. That's we're 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 happy. I obviously as a man, I wanted a boy right yeah. out of the gate. It didn't work out. It had a daughter, and it's the greatest thing in the world. And if I have two more daughters, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, if we get a son, great. I tell people my daughter. I'm the worst disciplinarian for my daughter. Like, if my son acts up, no questions asked. I'm going to just, he's going he's gonna to hear my wrath. You know? yeah. I'm, but with my daughter, it's just a soft spot for me. I don't know what the deal is, but, man, her big brown eyes, I just. How old is she now? She's three and a half, three and, yeah. a half and uh, super smart. Um, everyone says that about their kid. But my daughter, just her, her ability, her language skills, she can talk, she can articulate, and she's. She knows that daddy's wrapped around her finger already. So I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. My son, he's not wrapped around my finger, man. He's not. I mean, he's awesome, but he's not going to get away with anything on my watch. Right. You know, but my daughter, man, she's just something else. So that's cool. I, I think having a daughter first is awesome. I'm so. excited for the journey, man. I really am. My wife and I are really stoked. That's cool. We're going to get into some unsolicited marriage advice later on. I think that's important because <laughs> you and I both probably have some commonalities when it comes oh my to gosh. hunting widows and uh, that hunting challenge. Hunting widows. We'll get into that. I want to get into that yeah. on this podcast we for will. sure. So, But people don't listen for that. They listen for elk hunting nuggets. So let's get into um, – I want to talk about your photography, obviously. Uh, hopefully I can get you to give out some kind of basic tips for guys in the field to make better photos sure. of capturing sure. their, Absolutely. their hunt. You know, with such a social media-driven experience now, I think people just, you know, snap photos and use filters. But there's some other things they can do. We'll talk about that. I want to know a little bit more about, like, because uh, you, you kind of made your own luck, in my opinion. From I mean, I haven't known you that long. Yep. How long have I known you? Maybe five years? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I met you because one of my friend of a friend said, you should meet Jed. He is like you. He lives to hunt. And then I, I think we I got your number and reached out to you. But... And then we ended up doing a photo shoot for Train to Hunt That's back right. when I owned it That's with right. uh, Kenton. Um, so we did that. And then from there, we've just always kept in touch because we live in the same town. Yeah, we, we both like hunting Idaho elk yep. and Washington whitetails. Yep. So we just have that in common. And uh, so, yeah, we went from there. But we're going to get into your very first elk hunt story. <laughs> uh, I want you to do a good job on this story. I want you to tell. You the, just the heard this story. I just heard That's it. That's right. It's one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. <laughs> Go tell it like you did earlier. Oh, that's funny. So I mentioned before, I'm, I'm from Kentucky, grew up hunting whitetails, left Kentucky after college, uh, moved out west, moved to Jackson Hole, Pinedale, and couldn't afford, a, couldn't afford a non-resident tag back then. And so I didn't hunt when I lived in Wyoming. I moved oh. to Spokane, got a little bit of money in my pocket, and I didn't need a non. I, I didn't have to buy a non-resident tag, but you know we could afford to go hunt. Had some vacation, whatever. So I call my bat. I call my dad up, and I'm like, "Dad, let's 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 uh, let's let's do an elk hunt." And I had two college buddies, dear friends, Jason Camp and uh, Felton Adams, and deer hunting buddies, you know, through college. And so I was like, "Guys, let's just go." And so, you know, I started looking at maps, and I found this this place on a map called Elk City, Idaho, and I'm like, "Shit." <laughs> Gotta be there elk must there. be elk there. <laughs> it's a whole city of them, and so you know, started doing some research. Called the called the you know fish and wildlife. Talked to talked to people I needed to talk to. Did my did my homework. Did my due diligence. Got maps. Got an app. Got some kind of app that that lets you build maps. I built maps for everybody. Read everything I could read on on elk, and I you know I, I'd seen elk. I'm you know an outdoorsman, and it had had come across elk in my travels as as a younger man, but had never been never been able to hunt them. So I didn't know anything about elk hunting, even though I was a, a fairly seasoned hunter by that. You know, I started elk or deer hunting when I was like nine years old, I think. And so, anyway, I I knew the basics. I knew 
elk supposedly sleep in dark timber on the north face. They supposedly feed on the other side. And at some point or another, they go to water and they sleep, you know, and this is, I was like, let's just do it like whitetails. We'll, we'll, we'll get between there. We'll hunt pinch points. We'll hunt north face, you know, south face, you know, where they, they spill over from south to north and hunt saddles. And so a buddy of mine who had killed a couple of elk, um, who lived in Spokane and worked at the newspaper with me, was like, well, let's go and go scouts. We drive down, find a spot we want to camp and, and throw up our tent and start hiking. And we get to the, get to a saddle on the first day that we're out there scouting and bump a herd elk. And I'm like, Hey, you know, this is good. This is a good thing. So I marked it on my GPS saddle elk saddle. I think I named it. (laughs) And, uh, so anyway, we spend the rest of the, you know, the long weekend, I think we spent three or four days scouting and found a bunch of different areas, lots of elk sign. And, uh, we were pretty amped up and this was, I think in August, uh, no, no, sorry. It was in September. Cause we ran into a bow hunter that had shot a pretty nice six point. We talked to him about it and uh, he gave us a, a few pointers as well. So we go home, I make the maps, I, I, I laminate them. I, I, you know, set the, set the dates. We're, we're, we're going to go do this. So all my buddies come out. My dad comes out. We fly into, they fly into Spokane. We all from pile Kentucky. up. They fly in from Kentucky. That's awesome. They, uh, they bought their tags. And we, um, we, uh, we loaded up the van or load up the truck and trailer and, 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 and headed to Elk City. And we set our wall tents up. We, we did that whole thing. We were pretty amped up the night before. And I, I'm a whitetail hunter. So I'm like, okay, well, if I'm trying to hunt in this spot, how do I get to that spot? Elk Saddle. Elk Saddle. <laughs> how do I get to Elk Saddle? Where, you know, I'm still in the mindset of like, I don't want to leave a boot track. I don't want, you know, how do I get to a spot where these elk aren't going to smell me, aren't going to see me, aren't going to know I'm there. So I climbed the sheerest cliff I could find. I left about two hours before daylight. I'm solo bird. Everybody else, everybody, my, my dad is hunting uh, by, I think my dad was hunting by himself. And then my two buddies were together. And so we're in three, essentially three different groups. So I climb up, I get to this saddle. It's a solid hour before daylight. I pull out my Will Primos pack bugle. Oh, yeah. Which I'd probably blown about 11 times since I bought it. And I rip out some kind of fluty, terrible bugle, I'm sure. And in the distance, I'm like, you know, huh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I sit there. I'm like, now I'm in turkey mode. I'm like, okay, well, he knows where I'm at. He's responded. I'm just going to sit here and let this game begin. And he was way down in the creek bottom. So fast forward maybe 30 minutes, and it's, uh, you know, it's getting a little closer to shooting light, and I hear him bugle another time or two, and I'm like, he's closer. This is, this is happening. So I think maybe I ripped another bugle. Maybe I didn't. I can't remember, but I know I wasn't calling a lot. And so anyway, shooting light had happened. It's like 10 or 15 minutes after shooting light at this point, and um, I start to hear some stuff moving below me, like sticks popping, things are happening. I'm pretty amped up. This is rifle season. Yeah. I'm pretty much a diehard only uh, bow hunter these days but but back then i had a rifle and you know fast forward another 20 minutes and a a a, a calf pops up and i'm like oh my gosh there's an elk and it's at like 30 yards and (laughs) i'm like this is this is awesome pretty easy and then it's like this is what what's all this fuss about (laughs) (laughs) i know everything of course you know at this point i'm so well educated and so Cow pops out, calf pops out, cow, 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 and then lo and behold, boom, there's a bull. And there's a shooting lane that, that, I, uh, that I can see the saddle, and this little calf comes up, and it's standing there, and all of a sudden I see a, a, an antler swoop in, lift this calf up from its tail end, and, and it almost flips it over. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, and this bull is, like, right there. And as soon as he flips that little calf over, he steps into the shooting lane, and I'm like, boom, 30 yards, elk drops in his tracks i'm like this is the so i had been an elk hunter for all of 45 minutes when my first five point was on the ground and uh of course i was all kinds of stoked yeah and i mean just fully amped just fully amped and i walk up to that thing and i am like what have i done this is the biggest beast i have ever seen in my life and so I, you know, I, I took to the task and started field dressing it. Well, first, before that, this is the important part. I got on the radio. Yeah. I'm calling in the backup. I'm calling in the reserves. Yeah. And 
I'm getting nothing. I'm getting people talking, but they're not talking to me. I just hear them talking back and forth like, I don't know, Jed's saying something, but I don't understand what he's saying. So apparently my radio is being scrambled is what they say. Now, uh, okay. I have my own side story to that. I yeah. think it was just like, eh, well, it's only 45 minutes into the first day of hunting. We don't want to go. So anyway, I took the task by myself. I field dressed this elk out. Yeah. I'm beside myself. I'm about a mile from camp. I hiked down. It was an agonizing wait. Finally, my dad shows up. I tell him the story. He's totally stoked. My dad's only elk hunted one other time in his life yeah. when he was a younger man in Colorado. So nobody's ever killed an elk in our group. And so we run back up, take photos. My dad and I break this bull down and pack it all out in one, in one go. That's really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, idea. you know. It was stupid, and but we were full of stoke. Oh, yeah. And uh, we got back to camp, and miraculously, almost immediately after we dropped our packs, our buddies showed up. My theory is they were watching us the whole time. And uh, as soon as we got down, they were like, oh, now we can go down there. But anyway, so my buddy Jason, we call him long hair. He's got a long hair. He, he, he used to rock a mullet, but it's, it's, it's more grown out now, oh. full, but it's still long, a little more gray than, than it was back then. But uh, he comes up, and the first thing he says to me, not congratulations, not, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. But he's like, hmm, I always thought they'd look a little bigger than that. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so, anyway, we had a heck of a time. He was uh, joking, I hope. Yeah. 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 But uh, it was amazing. It was it, So, For you know, East... obviously, obviously now I've learned that elk hunting is not that easy. Oh, yeah. But it, it, at that point, I was like, oh, this is the easiest thing ever. So did you immediately go, wow, I want to get a bow and hunt them in the rut? Or how did that, how did you become a bow hunter? Because I know you as a bow hunter. Yep. And I was a bow hunter then. Um, but my, my dad wasn't a bow hunter then. And, you know, I was, I was wanting to hunt with my dad. And yeah. so, you know, we, we did the rifle tag. And honestly, I mean, I didn't know anything about elk hunting. And I'd like, I thought our odds were better with a rifle. So... I actually rifle, we rifle hunted the next year we, we got, so then we were like, okay, we know everything about elk hunting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I always, you know, I've got a year of, of, of hunting knowledge under my belt now. And so I, I've read all this stuff and watched all these videos. Elk are always higher. So we went and bought the, um, over the counter rifle tag in the Frank church. River of No Re- Return Like the biggest wilderness? wilderness in, the biggest wilderness in area. North America? Yeah, that, that one. Frank Church? That one, yeah. Did you guys fly in or did oh, you? Oh, yeah, we probably should have. No, we, we drove in. Um, wow. There's all kinds of great stories uh, that lead up to this. But anyway, we, we hunted the Frank Church. It was, it was the hardest, most rugged hunt. But it was burning when we got there, right. covered in smoke, insane, thick smoke. Then, about three days later, it snowed like 14 inches, and we were buried. We couldn't get out, and luckily it warmed up, and they were calling for some more snow, so we bailed out, and it put the fire out. And so, as luck would have it, this area down lower that normally gets pounded with hunters, nobody was there because it had been closed all season. So we drove down there. We were the only ones there, and lo and behold, we actually ended up getting it done on my dad. My dad shot his first bull elk in there Mm. um, with a rifle. That's awesome. And so we did that, and that almost killed us getting that one out. Yep. And then the next year, we bought another rifle tag, and that was in the Coeur d'Alene's. Oh, and that boy. was actually the only year our hunting group has never killed an elk. Yeah. Um, we've, really got, we've really been pretty fortunate. Um, we've always, somebody's usually always gotten an elk. And so that was the last year we rifle hunted. Okay. And then after that, we were like, we're going we're gonna to start archery hunting. Go to that. And so my dad got a bow, started firing it up, and, and started coming with us. And we all, we've been archery hunting. So that was 2000, 2005 was, was the Elk City trip. And by 2008, we were, we were archery exclusive. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I have such a similar first experience elk hunting. Really, I've told it before. So I'll, the short version of it is, is my dad and I were like, I got out of high school and I hadn't hunted in years because I'd been playing high school sports and you know, so I was 19 and just full of, right, let's get back hunt. I want to hunt with my dad. Like, good yeah. memories, right, growing yeah. up before that. And um, I killed some deer, you know, when I was 12 and 13. So let's go deer hunting. And my dad's like, okay, well, I got this spot. It's public land. We'll go in there and hike around. And we scouted. And he saw elk. And then um, we're like, elk? Well, that would be kind of cool. When's the elk season? So we looked up, like, oh, my gosh, it starts next Saturday. So we went and got elk tags. Wow. And we got a Primos 
cassette tape kit with a the cassette tape. It was cassette tape. Yeah, so we listened betcha. to the cassette tape the very first time driving to the spot at four in the morning, <laughs> and then we rolled up, and then the, I was so in shock because there was like seven or eight trucks parked at the gate oh, to wow. the public land. And this was in um, Spokane, like by Mount Spokane on the backside. I'll never hunt there again, so I'll gladly say where it was. It was like, it's called Blanchard area. It's on, mm-hmm. the, it's on the Washington side. And, dude, we hiked in there and kind of went to the area he saw that elk the week prior. And uh, my dad's like, okay, I guess I'm going to, you get here and I'm going to cow call and we'll see what happens. Because well, you just learned how to. We just learned on the yeah, tape. Yeah. So he's over, like, making these crazy-ass sounds. I've never really – you know, I thought he was – I'm like, bugle. That's what they were talking – bugle. Um, he cow-called for probably 30 minutes or something, and then I thought I heard a stick breaking. Got my gun kind of ready, and sure enough, a 5x5. Five five, walks 20 yards broadside. I just put my gun up. I don't even remember aiming. I just kind of put my gun up and pulled the trigger. And that, that did the trick. Like, that bull died 100 yards down there, and uh, we were like you. We had, like – got to this elk and we're like holy shit look how big this thing is what are we gonna do <laughs> and uh they're big critters we'd man. only kill deer dude yeah and we had no mentorship so we never quartered an elk so we literally got a rope and drug we gutted it and we drugged this bull probably downhill three or four hundred <laughs> yards we tried that once too <laughs> we literally got it to like this road and then we like somehow snuck our four-wheeler around this gate with a trailer i don't know how we did it it's a long time ago. I'm, you know, we're talking 16 years ago, but we got the trailer backed up and we got this bull loaded and then we got to the gate and the game warden was waiting for us and he was not happy oh that boy. we got around the four, around the gate. Right. But he wasn't too mad that we did it to retrieve an elk. Checked our license, didn't say congrats or anything like that, just kind of gave us. didn't take you to jail. But he didn't give us a ticket, which was cool. <laughs> but that was my first elk hunting experience, wow. too. And then I was, like, hooked. I was, like, I've told people before, but I was, like, okay, I've killed deer before. Yeah. And we eat a deer in a couple months. Like, yeah. this is going to last us all year. And look at this rack. It's huge. <laughs> you know, so I was hooked. I, I get you. So that, that, that cool? evolution. It's cool. So fast forward, your archery hunting. Where all have you kind of archery elk hunted? Yeah. So our funny thing is that, you know, up until recently, up until the last five or six years, we always, you know, spend a, a week or two weeks learning an area and then we never go back there. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's always greener somewhere else, right? For sure. Um, which is not always the case, obviously. But we, so we've hunted, like I said, we hunted Elk City, we hunted the Frank Church, we hunted the Coeur d'Alene's, uh, all in Idaho. And then we... Uh, transitioned to up in this area. Then we then we went from there. We transitioned to the Dwarjack, which was really a phenomenally fun hunt. It wasn't. We we got it done. We shot we shot a bull, but it was awesome because we we were on we were by boat. We were yep. hunting by boat, and we had set up our camp, and we had fish in the middle of the day, uh, and it was it was really just a great cool. experience. You know, the hunting was okay, but it was a great experience. Uh, from there, we started going into Wyoming. Yeah. We hunted the medicine bow tw- two years, uh, and we did well. We shot a couple elk. Actually, that's the first. Those are the first. Th- Wyoming was the f- first time we started killing multiple elk, not just one. Yep. But we actually got a couple of, couple of elk down, and then f- after that, after Wyoming, w- that's when I started running with the first light guys, and we ended up. My buddy Scott Robinson was like, "You, you guys should come down and, and and hunt with us," you know, and so we've pretty much spent the last six years, I think, hunting in and around, um, you know, the sawtooths, boulders, yeah. sawtooths in those areas. So and you hunt with the founders of First Light? Yeah, Scott Robinson's a dear friend of mine now. I started out working, you know, f- shooting pictures. I reached out to him. I had, I, I shoot for Nemo Equipment. I used to shoot with him a lot. And uh, Nemo Equipment, a uh, buddy of mine at Nemo Equipment, uh, the manufacturer tents and sleeping bags for, for those that don't know who they are. They, um, they said, hey, you should reach out to this, this new company. It's called First Light. They're, they're good guys. You should see if they're interested in, you know, yeah. in your work. And so I reached out to him, and, and we did. We, I, when I was in Wyoming, they sent me a bunch of stuff, and we started shooting for them. And, and from there, it transitioned into a really amazing friendship. I mean, Scott was in my wedding a couple of years ago. I mean, we're really, we're really cool. good. He's one of my best friends. And uh, so, you know, our, our friendship has 
has grown around elk hunting, which is awesome. And it's, and it's gone into skiing and everything else now. Um, and our wives are really good friends. It's, it's, it's a great relationship. So we spend a lot of time hunting with those guys yeah. and, it, and it's really cool because first of all, they're, they're a great group of people, but it's, it's, it's great to be able to hunt. You know, we, we've always been hunting with our little core group and it's great to bring in all these other people that have great ideas and other, other methods and, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. It's a cool collaboration when you have multiple people that you can hunt with. It's, it's, we've, we've enjoyed it a lot. Well, let's get into the elk nuggets is what yeah. I call it. This is where you drop knowledge bombs on people because you're yeah. an experienced elk hunter. I know yeah. you've killed 12 or 13 elk in I 10 think, years. I think last week marked 13. I, I, I was planning on doing the count before I sat down, but yeah, I think 13 elk in 12 years. In 12 years. Okay. That's pretty good. That's better than average. So we're going to do it this way. This is what I just thought of. Jed Conklin is going to be giving advice to Jed Conklin, who's never killed an elk with uh, archery equipment. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't, you can't tell him everything, but you can tell him one thing. What are you going to tell Jed Conklin, who's going into elk hunting in his first year with a bow? Whew. <clears throat> I can only rely. I can only. I can only go back to what I knew as a hunter before elk, and that was whitetail. And the number one thing that I have changed from when I first started elk hunting, when I was the tiptoe whitetail hunter, trying to be as quiet as possible, trying to be as sneaky as possible, slow, worried about all these different things that you have to worry about with the whitetail uh, versus an elk, is that I was way too timid as a, as a beginning elk hunter. I was worried that they were going to hear me. I was worried they were going to see me. I was worried that I was going to blow them out. And what I've learned every year is that I've transitioned. I become way, every year I feel like I get more aggressive. Yeah. And I think elk are huge critters, and they make a ton of noise, and they're way less spooky than a whitetail. You get by with way more everything with an elk. And... Uh, I think my advice to a beginning elk hunter is that you will find the fine line yourself, but I would rather see beginning elk hunters push the boundary of getting close enough before they start calling, before they start, you know, doing the things they want to do to get the elk on the ground dead. I think you need to get as close as possible. Mm -hmm. I think you have to close that gap to... I like to say within 100 yards. Yep. And if you can get within 75 yards, even better. Yep. And don't be scared when you see an elk. If you see an elk and they're not staring right at you, freaked out, and they're just moving through the timber and feeding, I keep pushing it. I keep pushing it. Yep. I keep pushing it. That's the one thing I think, as far as I'm a, I can only base it on my own knowledge yeah. as a beginner, that's the thing that I messed up way more on than anything else, was just like I saw an elk at 200 yards, and I'm like, oh, my God, freeze. Okay. You know? I feel like that's critical advice. That's awesome. Now – I'm making you do all the talking. So, Jed, you have just killed a couple of elk. You've Idaho. You've been to Wyoming now. Killed a couple of elk archery. Mm. Now you're kind of an intermediate elk hunter. You have some confidence. Mm-hmm. In the back of your mind, you feel like you know a lot. But this is hindsight now. You still have a lot to learn. What advice would you give? You for always that? have a lot to learn. Exactly. Yeah. The intermediate elk hunter, you've, got, you've had some success. Mm-hmm. You're really, really addicted now. You're hungry for more knowledge. What's that one elk nugget that's going to get you to that next level? Are you talking about killing big bulls here, or are you just talking about trying to get elk on the ground with your bow? You know, I think it's more important to consistently get elk year after year than to – because anyone can go kill a really big bull their first year, and then that's probably – that's next next level. We'll get to there. That's Mm -hmm. where you kill consistently big bulls. Um, But I'm talking more just you want to be able to punch that elk tag every year and get your family pretty much – Meet in the freezer. Knowing that you're heading out the door, you're going to bring back some meat. We're going to live off elk. Like that's kind of our lifestyle. So how do we get to that level? What would you t- What would you t- tell Jed, the intermediate Jed, or he Jed's almost intermediate elk hunter now? What, that's my definition of intermediate. Like mm-hmm. you've had some success, but you're not quite consistent yet. What would you kind of? What's that next step? So the thing I learned um, early on, and I'm I'm still, and there's guys that are out there that have hunted elk for 40 years, 50 years, even 60 years. Some of them, you know, I'm, I've been hunting elk for 12 years. I, I mean, you know, I hate to speak. I'm I'm still that guy that that five years from now will laugh at what I'm saying today sure. because I didn't know what I know then yep. now. So 
when I first started, I think I've killed a bull every year with my bow for like the last five or six years. Uh, and I've killed a few cows in there too. Um, I, I think I, early on when I first learned how to bugle, my intermediate stages, four or five years ago, six years ago, when I first started really concentrating on, on my calling, I figured out where the elk were. I figured out how to move on elk. I figured out how elk live a little bit. You know, again, we're all still learning. I don't know shit. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know, I I know enough to get the elk done. Maybe I'm the intermediate elk hunter right now. So what I, what I've learned is that I was running a lot of elk out with big bugles. There's a time for a big, mature herd bull bugle. That is not always every day going out of the gate all day long. And there's guys out there that bugle up bulls every year, and they bugle 100 times a day until they find one that they want to respond to. And that's I've never, I've never been super successful at that. Okay. The thing that, I, the thing that I've done to consistently kill elk is I have gotten in. I've bugled to locate. If I'm hunting herd bull, this isn't, this isn't what I'm talking about for hunting herd bulls. This is what I'm talking about for shooting an elk, for me. I will find a locate, I'll locate a, a bull with a bugle early in the morning or, or even in the middle of the day if I'm in an elky spot. If an elk responds, I will cow call. If an elk responds to a cow call, I almost always, if I'm just trying to kill an elk, will put the bugle away. That's what I do. And what I end up doing a lot is calling in smaller bulls. But if you're just trying to put a bull on the ground or a cow on the ground and you're just trying to fill your freezer consistently, I think the cow call is clutch. Yep. Um, I think unless you are really, really good and knowledgeable on elk elk, uh, behavior and are amazingly talented caller, that you will run a lot of bulls that you would probably be very willing to shoot away by ripping that bugle. I think, I think that if you're not a herd bull hunter and you're trying to put meat in the freezer, I think sometimes you run a lot of bulls away. Or they come in quiet that you don't know, or they circle around downwind of you, or they're hiding. You know, I, think, I think the bugle can scare away bulls that you would maybe shoot if you're just trying to put meat in the freezer. That's okay. my opinion, and I'm no expert. <laughs> yeah, but you've killed some elk, and you're way above average. You know, we av- kill a lot of elk. I bugled in a lot of bulls. I've killed. Uh, I've killed a lot of bulls bugling. The, 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 the. Um, I'm trying to think here while I talk. The biggest bull I killed, I cow called in. Yep. The. It's 312. That's not, that's my biggest bull. I'm not a. I'm not a. You know, I don't have any monster bulls under my belt. 312. Cow called it in. Um, I bugled in small bulls and killed them, but I've consistently killed more bulls cow calling or not calling at all than I have bugling them in. That's great advice. I mean, again, we're just trying to stir the pot, get as many different angles. There's going to be a lot of people that disagree with me, and that's fine. Sure, sure, but, I mean, at the end of the day, success leaves behind clues. We're just kind of looking at what clues were left behind for your successes. I've killed way more elk with my bugle in my pack than I have with my bugle against my lips. There you go. I think that's pretty important for people to think about. There is a thing of yep. overcalling. Um, and then, that being said, when you rip bugles and those bulls come in best. fired up, it's the best. It's the, it's best. the best there is. I will not deny that. It is the best way to kill a bull it, as far as, like, style and, points. And if you want to only kill an elk that way, because sometimes you hunt for experience. Like yep. myself last year, I tagged out and I had a second tag. And I was experienced hunting. I was going to shoot the bull that gave me the best experience. I ended up not shooting a bull yep. with that second tag. But I was experienced hunting, and that's cool. Like, and there's also really good elk hunters out there that will sit here and tell you that put your cow calls away, and only the real, real big bulls will respond to only bugling. And that's fine. And, and know, that's, con- that's but- true. And every situation, you have to all – look, I killed two elk this year. I killed an elk last week, and I killed an elk in September. I didn't call – I, I killed both of those elk without a call in my mouth. There you go. Um, That's probably better than most guys listening that didn't kill an elk this year. Right. So we're kind of, I mean, elk shape's about getting people that meat in the freezer. You right. know what I mean? And then yep. I'm also about that blue collar action. I'm about that general tag, that yep. OTC. And those and are both I, OTC and, tags. And, and I want to hunt big, awesome draw tag areas. Sure. You know, I want to hunt we Utah. All do. I want to hunt New Mexico sure. and Arizona. But at the end of the day, most of us schmucks were hunting Idaho 
we're hunting Colorado, we're hunting Montana, we're hunting the over-the-counter mm-hmm. areas, sure. and we're we're pretty pumped to kill a, a bull with our bow or rifle, and that's what it's about. <laughs> don't you know what I mean? don't discount cows either, man. Heck yeah! If you're trying to fill the freezer, that's cool. My wife, really, <laughs> she loves the cow. I have yet to kill a cow, but I want it. Yeah, I have yet to kill. I've, I'm I think so, I've killed four cows. Four? Okay, yeah. I need to get a cow killed. I have never They're killed delicious. a cow. I'm sure they, they are. are. But that's cool. All right, so let's fast forward into the Jed Elk Hunter Jedi Master, the, the Elk Hunter you want to be. Sure. Do you have any advice for him? You're not quite there yet, like you've said to me before. Yeah. Like you're still evolving. We all are yeah. in this process. But what do you think is going to be that next thing that you do to get you to whatever level of elk hunting you want to be at? <clears throat> the big bulls that I've called in, and I've bugled in a lot of big bulls that we haven't killed. You know, I mean, obviously we all have. Um, and called in a lot of big bulls, period, that we haven't killed. I um, I think this year, I, I shot a six-point this year, a, a spot and stock, six-point. I, I snuck in on and, 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 and shot. Actually, he came in on a bigger bull that I was trying to sneak on. But, you know, like I said, one hand, you know, bird in the hand, better than a bird in the bush. So, um, but after I shot that bull this year, and he was a good bull, man, you know, decent bull. Over the counter public land tag, you know, with a bunch of buddies in yeah. the mountains in September, it hardly gets any better. But I said to myself, I said to Jason, my long hair buddy, I said, Jason, you know, I was like, I think this might be it. Uh, you know, this might be the last, you know, small bull that I just shoot because I want to shoot an elk. Yep. Um, I think I will always. Tr- Luckily for me, I have I have some late season tags that I typically get, and I can I can put an elk in the freezer if I need if when it comes time. That's clutch. Which is clutch. That's clutch. It's huge. And if you don't have that opportunity, I don't think I would be saying what I'm about to say. Yeah. I think if I had one opportunity to put an elk in the freezer, you know, horns are awesome, but they don't eat very well. And at the end of the day, people are people are think of hunters as whatever they want to think of hunters as. At the end of the day, my family eats elk meat. It's what we eat. The end. It's what we eat. The end. Period. Yep. Yeah. Freezer closed. You know, so if I only had an opportunity to shoot an elk, I may not say what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but since I have multiple opportunities typically to shoot elk, I think that what I really want to get good at, and I've done it a few times, but not consistently, is finding herd bulls, getting in close, challenging them, and killing them. I've done it a couple of times. You've done it a couple of times. You put uh, you put you put it on yourself this year to do it, and you know, you didn't get it done necessarily, but you had a hell of a time doing it. I sure did. And you learned probably more than you ever thought you would learn. And I also educated the elk really well too. I just want you to know. <laughs> so I got those herd bulls really. I got their IQ up. That's a little right. Bit. And they're and they're not. They already had their IQ up. Yeah. That's why they're herd bulls. Yeah. And there is a certain amount of there's a certain challenge. I, I went through the Master Hunters program this year in the state of Washington, which is a which is a program for hunters. And, and you know, I always thought I knew a lot about hunting. You start doing that program, it's pretty cool because you have to read a lot of stuff and you just learn some stuff. There's and I and I'm going to mess this up a little bit because I don't remember exactly. I took the test and forgot promptly forgot all this. But there's a bunch of levels to a hunter's life. There's the like I got to get it done. There's the learning stage. There's yeah. the like I'm going to kill everything I can stage. Uh, there's the, um, I'm only going for the trophy stage. And then there's go, there's a stage where you're like, it's more important on, to on how you do it. Oh, okay. Bow hunting, only take shots within 40 yards, right. flintlock muzzleloader, whatever it is. And then there's the camaraderie component of like hunting more is more now about the experience than the actual kill. Yep. So there's, and I might've missed a stage. I apologize if it did. So, as I move into that, I think I'm moving as a hunter into that more trophy stage. And I hate to say that because I'm not a trophy hunter. I just like the challenge. I, I am finding that I am more excited by the challenge of outsmarting an animal that it's at its peak of its intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it, he's a mature bull. He's lived the life. He's outsmarted hunters all of his life. He's, he's achieved the status of king of the mountain. And I think that going after that elk at this point in my hunting career is becoming a, is becoming paramount, you know? Yeah. I always want to eat elk. Absolutely. I mean, I I, always want to eat elk. And I, I, I I know, I understand that by, by doing this, I might be uh, putting that at risk, (laughs) but I think that's the next level that I want to get to. And I need to learn how to do that on a regular basis. And I'm excited about the failures that are to come. Yeah. 
in learning how to do that. That's growth. Growth yeah. is coming, yeah. and that's cool. And you do have, I know you personally, you have a great backup late season plan to get the elk meat in the freezer. I do. I don't, so I've, I've told people before, I always buy two elk tags in Idaho, which... Not everybody know. can afford to do that, too. Well, you know... When I we were s- young, man, we couldn't afford to do I, that. I, uh, I've i always found a way. Young. I'll sell, <laughs> I will sell blood or whatever fluid I need to, but uh, yeah. you could buy two elk tags. Not everybody has the time, not everybody has the uh, money. Yeah. You know, time is a big thing. We time have is time. Almost we have everything. a lot of time. We have a lot of time. We should probably talk about on this podcast because it's the truth. Time is probably everything when yeah. it comes to being able to be successful. But, I mean, you can get two elk tags for less than a Montana tag in Idaho. And I don't know if they'll always keep doing that the way that things have gone yeah. or whatever. But I've always been first come, first serve, first elk. Let's get the meat down. This year I didn't do that. And, man, my wife, no one knows this, but my wife kind of gave me a tune-up talk because it was about the 15th of September Kind of had some shit weather come in, snow up high, rain, days on in. Elk hunting was not great. I was still mm-hmm. was going out. You know, yeah, I'm still sure. going to go out. Had the time. Hadn't killed an elk in the 18th or 19th rolls around. And my wife kind of gave me a tune-up talk. She's like, you know, you're just hunting, you know, with your dick right now. You're being ego. <laughs> you're an ego guy. You know, yeah. you're in the industry and you're trying to kill something big for your Instagram. And that's... And you have a hungry wife and two kids at home. You better kill an elk. Right. And, man, I was like, that's the best news I've ever heard. I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Reality check. Let's go. Because I've passed quite a few bulls at that point. I went out there after the weather broke, and I called in this 4 by 4 and I, it was an epic experience. It was great. Put them on the ground. And then I spent the rest of the season trying to kill her bull. Yep. But I, it was just a good reminder of what I do, why I do. And at the end of the day, like you said, it is about the elk meat because that's what we live off. We it literally... Like what I we have, live off of. I eat elk... We just ate it for lunch. We're about to have it for dinner. (laughs) I know. I had it yesterday. (laughs) You know. It's how you get those gains. Yeah. We should talk about fitness real quick. Okay. Um, So, Jed, I'm looking at you. You're kind of skinny. You're not fat. You look like you can hike up and down mountains all damn day. What are you doing to stay in shape? So, I'm a generalist when it comes to fitness. I've done done the hard – I've done three Ironman. Um, You know. That's awesome. You know, I – I grew up, I was in sports, you know, not awesome at them, but I did them. Uh, played soccer my whole life, ran, I've, you know, played baseball most of my life. So I've always been active. Uh, I was pretty pretty into mountaineering and rock climbing for a, a lot of years. I'm still f- pretty active into backcountry skiing. Uh, all of these things take fitness. And my thing is, is I don't have, I'm a, I get my fattest about spring, which is funny because I'm so active in the winter. That's and then crazy. It, <laughs> That's crazy. Most people are kind of a little yeah. bit different than that. I'm at my absolute fittest, as a lot of elk hunters are, about October 1st. Amen to that. There's no <laughs> question, right? Yeah. And so in the, in the off season leading up to elk, we're talking about elk shape here. The, uh, so the spring, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm as soft as I ever am. My ski season's winding down. I do a lot of, I do quite a bit of backcountry skiing, and, and, and locally I, I skin, which is for you that don't know, you basically put some what would have originally been fur, but is now faux fur, on the bottom of your skis, and it allows you to go up the hill. It, it gives you traction. So I climb Mount Spokane quite a bit throughout the season. It's a great workout, and then you get to ski down, and then you get to go have a beer, uh, which is awesome. So I do that, and I do some other backcountry trips, including some with my buddy Scott Robinson over at First Light. You know, he has a, he has a really great spot up, up there in the Saltoose that we, we ski at. And so I do a lot of general activities like that. I go to the gym in the winter. Uh, I do – that's my gym time. I buy I, – I spend money all year at the gym, but I only actually go to the gym probably December, January, February, March, April. Yeah. Um, then once the snow breaks, the skiing's over in the springtime. I do quite a bit of hiking. I'm a turkey hunter. I do a lot of a lot of that in the high, in the in the in the spring. I do a fair amount of running from time to time. I'm really hit or miss on the running, but you know, with my Ironman background, I you know I still do some of the running, and I do like swimming, although I don't do it very often. Like I said, I'm a generalist. When I feel like I need a workout, I just figure out a workout to go do. I do a lot. I do do a fair amount of hiking, just to get the blood flowing, which I enjoy a lot. And then come fall time, late summer, we we do we really turn up the hiking in the summertime, and. You know, we do quite a bit of hiking in the summertime. I'm also a fly fisherman, but I also like to fly fish in places that are a little harder to get, which involves a lot of climbing and hiking. Oh, it does. So my regiment isn't necessarily, this is what I do, this is my spreadsheet, I check the boxes each day at the gym or wherever it is. My, My fitness is that I'm always staying active. 
Wow. And that's how I do it. You know, I do, oh, oh, and I do 30 push-ups every morning. Always. Most, most mornings. Most mornings. 90% of the mornings. I do, I do 30 push-ups in the morning, and I try to do the same amount at lunch. And, that's, and then I'll do, and then I, I, do th- I throw in crunches about half the year. I don't know why I only do half year. I think mostly because it's swimsuit season. <laughs> so I got to know. I mean, we talk about discipline on this podcast because I'm fascinated with it. Yeah. Um, what is your discipline driver to do all these things? Obviously, you enjoy the fitness that you pursue. You know, you've, your specialty is not specializing, which yep. I think is really cool. Yep. You enjoy it. Yep. But, dude, let's get past all that. Mm-hmm. What's the why? What's your discipline driver? It's easy for me. That's an easy, the easy answer. I, I, I have to be at the drop of the hat when you call me or when my buddy calls me. If it's elk hunting, if it's backcountry skiing, if it's – I just did a, I did a really cool paddleboard trip. Uh, we did the first descent of the Spokane River this summer. We paddled from Lake Coeur d'Alene all the way down to the Columbia River, 112 miles. And, you know, you don't tr- I don't train for that, you know, but you have to be physically fit. When that, when that phone call comes in, I have to be able to do it. And so at, at any time, I always want to be physically fit enough to go do whatever comes across. If there's an adventure to be had, I don't want to have to say no because I'm not fit. Wow, there you go. I just That's the way I live. That's pretty cool. Well, we're 45 minutes deep in, so yep. we've talked elk hunting. We've talked yep. a little bit of fitness. We're going to get into that unsolicited marriage vice at the very end. Sure. But um, 45 I'll, minutes and only one I know. Three hey, quarters of a beer. We need to talk to Jacob. So yeah. Jacob Villasenor is with us. He's with uh, Richard Rawlings is on uh, Fast and Loud. He he has a beer assistant. Why don't you have a beer assistant? I don't know. I do. Beer assistant. Jacob. He's with uh, Jacob's a buddy of mine. I've, I want to give him a shout out because he's a stud. But I think he's in the bathroom. He's in the bathroom. We need beers, Jake. When you're out, wash your hands <laughs> first. Um, <laughs> let's talk about. Let's he's talk, also cooking us elk burgers. He's right also now. making his dinner. He's a stud. So I want to talk about business. I want to talk about sure. Um, I like entre- you have an entrepreneurial spirit. I want to talk about that a little bit. I also want to bring the discipline into the finances because you've done some things that took discipline. Um, I'm a study of you know a student of the game. I like to see people that are successful. I like to hang around people that are successful. Mm-hmm. I like to steal their ideas. At one point, you're a world class photographer. In my opinion, you're getting paid really good money, but mm-hmm. you are working your ass off. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you're happy, but you're putting in a ton of work, making good money. Mm-hmm. And then you tell me one day, hey, dude, I'm buying some old properties downtown Spokane. I'm renovating them, and I'm making myself some residual income. And I was like, damn, this, can we get beers, Jacob? Yes. He's uh, a good dude. He's a good dude. Like, I want to talk about kind of how that came about. Sure. And because we say it on Jocko Willick, discipline is freedom, freedom for time, freedom for finances. Yes. That's, those go really well with elk hunting Yes. at the end of the day, right? It's if you the only have money I'm, and you have time. It's the only reason I'm able to do what I do. You can go elk hunting. Yep. And that's what guys want. I think people's ears perk up when I start talking about this non-hunting topic called discipline and money and, mm-hmm. and being smart with your money and mm-hmm. a little Dave Ramsey. Give us some insight as to what you've done. You don't have to give us, like, sure. number details and stuff. Sure. But, like, it's inspiring. Tell us what you've done. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of you. And I'm excited to hear some of this stuff. Oh, thank you. So I have a good buddy of mine, Dan Spalding. He's a Spokane guy, non-hunter, although he does like my elk meat. Yeah. Uh, he's an artist, painter, traveler. He's, he, he, he's done a lot of cool stuff. A renaissance man, pilot, all, uh, climber, just, you know, all around dude's dude, you know. And we became friends, I don't know, years ago when I first moved to Spokane. And as a painter, he was a professor at Gonzaga for a while. Thank you, sir. He, he and I had a lot of things in common. He's also a badass skier. And he and I had a, a, a lot of things in common. And he was like, Jed, you know what? You know what? You, you, it, you're a great photographer, and you're doing, you're doing good work, and you're making money at it. He's like, but at some point, he was like, when you're however many years down the road. I was pretty young when we were talking about it. Like, you know, this is six, seven years ago. He was like, at some point, you're going to be like, I wish I didn't have to do that photo assignment tomorrow and the next day and then and the week after that 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 to make ends meet. And then your passion becomes your burden. And he was like, let's get, he's like, I, you know, I've been, I, I, when I was younger, about your age, he's, he's a little bit older than I am. He's like, when I was younger, your age, he was like, I, you know, I got into, I, I, I bought some building. He, he loves turning old shit cool. Yeah. He's good at it. He's really good at it. 
and he was like, you know, he's like, you need to get, you need to buy some, some, some of these. At the time, there was a lot of old buildings in Spokane that were dilapidated, run down, and you could get pretty cheap. Thanks, brother. And he was like, man, he's like, you got the vision, you got the time. He's like, you got the energy. He was like, just sp- spend some time and energy. Let's let's buy some buildings and let's renovate them and get what you, the word you were looking for earlier was passive income. Yeah. Passive income, for those that don't know what that is, it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's essentially you're making money when you're not doing anything. You might have to work your ass off to get to that spot, and that's fine, and you should. But at the end of the day, when you're out elk hunting, you're actually still making money. And if, it's a, if that money's in the market, if that money's in real estate, if that money's in something else, if you're running a company and you're the CEO and you can take out whatever it is, the goal for a lot of people in my opinion, should be to find a way that your money is working for you when you're not working. Yeah, you're not trading hours for dollars, folks. That's right. That's right. And a lot of people that are young, that seems so foreign to them, it, but you have to start somewhere. And, you know, it, it is the key, in my opinion, and there's other ways to make this, this life work, but in my opinion, you don't have to be a bajillionaire, but if you can make enough money to live a happy life, and figure out a way to do that and not have to work every day. You got to work hard when you're working, but when you don't have to work, you can take off and you can still be making a living. And so that's what he convinced me of. And it scared me to death. I was like, buy a building? At the time, when I quit working for the Spokesman Review as a staff photographer and I started my own business, I think I told you this earlier today, the first year I made $17,000. Ouch. $17,000. I already owned a house, so I had a mortgage. I didn't have an option. So I just filled it up with roommates. <laughs> you did what you had you know? to do. We did what I had to do. And so, and, I, and, I, and that's when I started growing my photography business. And, and anyway, fast forward, Dan and I got a couple buildings bought. We bought two buildings. Actually, he bought them for me. He bought one. one he bought both buildings, one for himself, one for me. And we started renovating. And, it, and once we got the project to the point where the bank would finance it, I was able to buy the building from him outright. Awesome. And so that was my first project. And I spent, I spent two years working on that building. Between my photography and actually like pounding nails, Yo, so directing still the traffic, running the nine to five, still running unquote. the nine to five, quote unquote, and another nine to five over time. Yep, I love it. <laughs> and so got it done. Straight hustle. Got it done, and it's been the best thing ever. You know, and we made a really old, dilapidated building that had been vacant for over ten years into something really cool that that we now have. You know, or that I now have eight apartments in that like people are stoked to live in, and it's and we're I think we're getting ready to knock on wood, get a couple of uh, couple of really cool restaurants down in the retail space now. So it's going to be a really cool space, and you know I worked super hard for two years for no money. I didn't get paid any of that during during that two years. I was, all vision. I was was spending money. You yeah. had vision for yeah. long term. Yeah, you sacrificed now yeah. for the reward down the road. Yeah. And I was only able to make it happen because of Dan, and I owe him a lot. Yeah, and you know not everybody has a Dan. And, but I think you can, there's other ways to get it done. And, and then from there it's, it's grown. I bought another building and you know, the, 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 the game continues, but, and I'm still doing my photography because the photography is the passion. But the great part about that is that I'm able to pick and choose my photography clients. Now I'm able to pick the jobs that I really feel something about that I really enjoy. Yeah. And you know, I'm still making my money for my photography, but at the end of the day, if I want to take off 30 days to go elk hunt, I'm in that position where I can, as long as my wife will let me. Exactly. I love you, baby. I love you so much. Perfect segue. <laughs> okay, guys, if that didn't get you fired up, I mean, I love that kind of stuff. That pumps me up. That gets me motivated. You know what I mean? I, I love all that kind of stuff. I want to see people be successful. That's why I opened a gym. Because at the end of the day, I don't own Run Across to get rich. You can check my W-2 or whatever it is, W-4 at the end of the year. But I love seeing people be successful, pursue their goals, and that kind of stuff fires me up. Um, and I also love the time that I get to go hunting because I am self-employed. And I've encouraged people before, man, if you're punching the clock, you're going to get two weeks a year vacation usually. And Mrs. is not going to want you to spend both those weeks. You betcha. Elk hunting. That's not going to be cool. You're not going to be married very long. So let's get into the segue into the unsolicited Marital advice. Boom. Yeah, man, we're killing this right for 52 minutes. (laughs) We talked a little bit of everything I like. Uh, We talked about elk nuggets, elk fitness, discipline, finances, you know, making yourself better. I love that stuff. Does your wife hunt? She does not. Does your wife? She has gone turkey hunting a couple times. Okay, we should talk about turkey hunting real quick. Jed said earlier to me today that... You know, turkey hunting is just like elk hunting, and I about shit my pants. I didn't say that. What did you say? 
I said turkey are like 30-pound elk. That is the extent of what I said. And I crushed, crushed that <laughs> argument. So anybody out there who turkey hunts who thinks, you know what, this is really similar to elk hunting, you are absolutely wrong because... There are similar attributes. Like their sense of smell? Like calling. Oh, because they gobble? Instead of bugle. And they fluff up instead of rake a tree? Yeah. Mm. They still fight. Oh, it's awesome. It's exhilarating. Have you ever watched a good turkey fight? Yeah. It's almost little... the same as two like 380-inch bulls fighting. Oh, it's really close. Okay. <laughs> we digress. So you got a wife. Now, how long did you date her before you married her? Uh, we dated... Whoa. Is she listening? We dated... Chances are not. I'm just going to throw <laughs> them out there. <laughs> we dated... I think we dated about two years. We dated two years. You two put years. her through two hunting seasons. Two hunting seasons. I said this in the last podcast that yeah. that is the magical. You need to put your potential wife through two, not one. Mm-hmm. They can they confront on one and be like, "Oh, this is cool." You get married, you try to pull that same thing again. You're married now. She's really going to tell you how she feels, and mm-hmm. she does not like you being gone. She it. The number that I've found so far, and this is probably going to change. The number is about three weeks, two and a half weeks. It it the the phone the phone calls start getting a little bit more pleading. Yeah. At the three week mark, it it, it it it's getting it's getting serious. And when I come home a week after that, it's 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 the gifts the gifts that come home with me have to increase in value. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> but we couldn't do this without our wives. I mean, we have to have our wives buy in. And she loves elk meat, man. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God, right? She and wants so me to get my it wife. done. My she wife wants me to get it done. A phenomenal cook, and she loves, literally loves elk meat. Yes. That's my saving grace. Yes. But at the end of the day. Or you better let them do something they love for three weeks at a time. Right, right. <laughs> and and I would if if there was something. Yeah. But, I mean, what would you say is um, typical? You go hunting, you come back home, and you want to turn around and go right back out again. Like, is that worse? Should you just be gone for the set two and a half, three weeks? This was the first you... year I did that. Okay, so how? What do you? Because we had a baby. Compare and contrast. Oh yeah, that's a game changer. So, the first year, this the last year she was pregnant, and I hunted thirty day. I was gone from home thirty days, something like that. Okay. Um, this year the baby was born, and she was, and we agreed. I conceded an to two weeks of being gone. But I said, hey, that's cool. I'll just buy a second tag, and I'll hunt North Idaho <laughs> for the other two weeks, right? So so this is the first year I've tried that. I, she was totally cool with me hunting once I got home. The problem with that is she's totally cool with it, except the honey-do lists you still have to fill those. When you're gone for 30 days, there's no honeydew lists. Yeah. When you're home, there's honeydew list and hunting. So you have, that's the only thing that I ran into. Otherwise, she was totally cool with it. Yeah. Totally cool with it. Um, my wife, I think, might be unique in that respect. I think she is a very understanding wife, and not all wives might be like that. It uh, may be part of the reason why I married her. Yeah. But uh, she she understands how important it is to me. And at the end of the day, I get a lot of free time, like we talked about, when I need it. And I'm able to dedicate that free time for things that are good for us as a family, whether it be remodeling the kitchen or da-da-da-da-da, you name it, that I'm able to do when I'm not hunting. And I think that helps. If I only had four weeks of vacation a year and I spent all four of those vacation weeks hunting, that would be a problem. She probably, Yeah, she probably wouldn't dig that. Well, Jed, we'll wrap it up. I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out. <laughs> Thanks, Ruby. Happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. At the end of the day, guys. So if you're not married yet, choose your wife wisely. Choose your wife wisely. Definitely introduce her to some elk meat. Dude. Let her know where that comes from and wisely. how that happens. And, yes. uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's not all uh, it's not all smooth sailing all the time, but it's definitely not. worth it. I will tell you that a second kid – Totally changed my elk hunting game. I mean, I've 
gone hunting for 30 days when Alicia is not pregnant, when she is pregnant, when she we've had one kid. But when we brought that second kid in, things got dramatically more challenging for me to be gone because it's really challenging at home. But, you know, God bless her. She still lets me get out, you know. she It's still hard for her to understand how passionate I am about elk hunting. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of just scratching her head sure. going, how could sure. this be so important to you? Sure. But my life revolves around it. You know, you got your family, and then outside of that, I'm a very simple guy. Just be a simple man. I love to elk hunt. Yeah. I just want to be out there in the mountains. So, um, Agreed. Fortunately, she understands that. So, man, I've enjoyed. It seems like we're lucky guys, dude. Cheers to here, that. Here, here. Cheers to that. Well, well, thanks for uh, tuning in. If you got any questions for me or Jed, you can reach out. Um, elkshape at gmail.com. Um, if you... If you have uh, any elk hunting questions, we'll do a Q&A on the next one. So send those elk hunting questions in. Let me know where you're coming from and, and, and how we can answer those questions. Uh, as far as people finding you, Jed, and finding out, maybe looking at your photography, is it Jed Conklin Photography? Uh, it's jedconklin.com. Okay. J-E-D-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. And then I Instagram it at, at Jed Conklin. And then I have a, a, a photography page on Facebook as well, which is also Jed Conklin. Okay. So Jed Conklin, Jed Conklin seems to be the theme. That's awesome. Yeah. Check out his work. Uh, amazing photographer. Amazing dude. Entrepreneur. Elk hunter. Badass. Super humble. And uh, lives in Spokane. You're a gym. So thanks for coming on, man. Thanks and for uh, me, man. we'll go elk hunting tomorrow and yeah, let's see what we can do. Yeah, let's get it done in the morning. Do. Sounds good to me. All right. All right. Let's go eat. Good night, y'all.